0: Hey, this is Dr. Patty Sadala. Welcome to my Experience Jesus podcast. How will you be remembered? In this how to episode, we will look at how to reflect God by your life in a way that honors Him and leaves a legacy of Christ like impact. There are a lot of media clips in this episode, and all video references are on the pattyej.podbean.com site for this episode. Make sure you take time to watch these film clips because they will definitely add value and bless you. And if you love how media clips can help you understand spiritual things, please check out my award-winning Clips That Move Mountains 2nd Edition that features 23 film clips and their biblical messages. Our first film clip reference is a short film called Legacy, whereby people share whether they believe recently deceased Frank was a Christian or not. Some people thought he was because he was very vocal about things he did not approve of and got himself in trouble for being violent at an abortion clinic. Others were not sure because one of his mottos was to never talk about religion or politics. It always leads to trouble. The legacy film will make you think about how you will be remembered. Many Christians are like Frank. Either they hide their faith or they're very bad representations of Christ. Romans three fifteen and 16 says, I know your deeds, that you are neither hot or cold. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Frank spent his days hiding his faith or misrepresenting it. Unfortunately, many Christians are known more for what they are against than what they are for. God wants us to make our faith attractive. Don't be like Frank. His lukewarm Christian life will have eternal consequences. Jesus was highly offended by the self-righteous attitudes of the Pharisees. Matthew 15, 1 and 2 says, Some Pharisees and teachers of religious laws now arrive from Jerusalem to see Jesus. They asked him, why do your disciples disobey our age-old traditions? For they ignore our tradition of ceremonial hand-washing before they eat. Jesus responded in Matthew 15, 3-9, And why do you, by your traditions, violate the direct commandments of God? But you say it's all right for people to say to their parents, Sorry, I can't help you, for I have vowed to give to God what I would have given to you. In this way, you say they don't need to honor their parents. And so you cancel the word of God for the sake of your own tradition, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you when he wrote, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. The Barna Group conducts research related to American worldviews and the biblical understanding of the Christian worldview. In 2013, the Barna researchers published results of the study that they called Christians, more like Jesus or more like Pharisees. The study examined the question, are American Christians more Christ-like in actions and attitudes or more self-righteous in actions and attitudes like the Pharisees? A statistically representative sample of Christians was asked to respond to 20 statements by rating their agreement on a four-point scale. They rated five statements about self-righteous actions, attitudes, and Christ-like actions and attitudes. It was interesting for me to learn that the number one reason Americans will say they accepted Christ was because of the actions or influence of another Christian and The number one reason Americans will say they do not plan to accept Christ is because of the actions or influence of another Christian. Let's look at all 20 of these statements. Be honest with yourself. Answer truthfully whether you agree or disagree with these statements in your own life. The research statements used to examine Christ's likeness include the following. I listen to others to learn their story before telling them about my faith. In recent years, I've influenced multiple people to consider following Christ. I regularly choose to have meals or spend time with people with different faiths or morals than me. I try to discover the needs of non-Christians rather than waiting for them to come to me. I am personally spending time with non-believers to help them follow Jesus. The statements related to attitudes like Jesus were, I see God-given value in every person, regardless of their past or present condition. I believe God is for everyone. I see God working in people's lives, even when they're not following God. It is more important to help people know that God is for them than to make sure they understand that they are sinners. I feel compassion for people who are not following God and doing immoral things. These are statements used to assess the self-righteous or pharisaical actions. I tell people that the most important thing in my life is following God's rules. I don't talk about my sins or struggles. That's between me and God. I try to avoid spending time with people who are openly gay, lesbian, or other people who have different moral or behaviors than me. I like to point out to those who do not have the right theology or doctrine. I prefer to serve people who attend my church rather than going outside the church. These are the statements related to self-righteous attitudes. I find it hard to be friends with people who seem to constantly be doing the wrong things. It is not my responsibility to help people who won't help themselves. I feel grateful to be a Christian when I see other people's failures and flaws. I believe we should stand against those who are opposed Christian values. People who follow God's rules are better than people who do not. Here were the findings of that research. Using these 20 statements as the basis of analysis, the researchers created an aggregate score for each individual and placed those results into the four categories or quadrants. And these were the results 14% were Christ like in action and in attitude, 14% were Christ like in action but not in attitude, 21% were Christ like in attitude, but not in action, and 51% were Christ like in neither. That means that 72% of Christian Americans were misrepresenting the faith. I believe that God wants every believer to be in the first quadrant. If we all lived with Christ like attitudes and actions, it would change the world. How you live speaks louder than what you say. Don't offend people with your witness, like Frank did when he went to jail for behaving violently in an abortion clinic. Christianity is a lifelong journey. No one will reach it perfectly. But you can choose to draw closer to God day by day, which allows you to become more Christ-like. Finish well. Deuteronomy 30.19 says, Today I have given you the choice between life and death between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. And Joshua 24:15 says, But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. In order to live with Christ-like attitudes and actions, you must Be willing to be transformed into God's likeness. Our next film clip is from the animated film Surf's Up. And it is, for me, a biblical representation of the potter and his clay message from the Bible. Legendary surfing hero Big Z is apprenticing a young wannabe surfer, Cody. He's teaching him how to build a surfboard. And Big Z says, the board is already inside there somewhere. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to find it. Cody was so impatient with this training. And he just wanted to do it himself. He did not want to be told how to do it or what to do. Isn't he just like you and me? Even though Big Z had more experience, wisdom, and knowledge, Cody wanted to do things his own way. He didn't want Big Z's help. He just wanted to make his surfboard by himself without the guidance of the master. Could you see how frustrated Big Z was at Cody's impatience, clumsiness, and lack of finesse with the board? Sometimes I imagine God slapping his forehead at some of the stupid and prideful things I do. Being willing to humble yourself to learn from God is so important. Without it, it's just pride. God cannot come near pride, and we are all guilty of creating that barrier. We must learn to overcome our pride if we plan to live a life of God-honoring legacy. Without contact with the potter, the clay is nothing. Just like that plank of wood in the Surf's Up example, we start off as unrecognizable clay blobs of human shortcomings. We tend to muddle through life blind, full of issues of pride, and creating messes all around us. We are all works in progress. God wants to lead us toward being the best representation of ourselves that we can be, but we don't want to learn those lessons. We want to get to the destination without the hard work of the journey. C.S. Lewis said it best. He said, It may be hard for an egg to turn into a bird. It would be a jolly sight harder for it to learn to fly while still remaining in the egg. We are all like eggs at the present time, and you and I can go on indefinitely being an ordinary, decent egg. We must be hatched or go bad. Isaiah 64, 8 says, Yet, O Lord, you are our Father, we are the clay, and you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. When we stay in contact with the powder, the living God, we can and do begin to change. Have you ever been really late and the traffic lights just worked in your favor? Or you find a ridiculously close parking space that seemed to be safe for you so that you're not late for your meeting. How about that time you didn't get a job or that house you thought you wanted and then God gave you a better one one week later? Think about the people who missed work on 9-11 and the World Trade Center because they had the flu or were attending a funeral. God is sovereign. No problem or challenge is too complicated for a sovereign Lord. Have you seen God take care of something right before your eyes, even this week? If you don't think he's been handling some crazy issues in your life, you're not paying attention or giving him the credit. Pray that God will reveal to you more when he's working things out for you. The Lord is molding you into something beautiful. When you accepted Christ and you walked with him daily, he begins to mold you into the new and more beautiful version of yourself. We become improved versions molded in his image. C.S. Lewis said, The more we let God take us over the more truly ourselves we become because he made us, he invented us, he invented all the different people that you and I were intended to be. It is when I turn to Christ, when I give myself up to him personally, that I first begin to have a real personality of my own. Before you can embrace God's big plans for you, you need to do some work on your character. You need to know how to represent Him. Well, the more you work on your relationship with Christ, the more you will become like him and the more he will prepare you for what he has planned for you. In 2 Corinthians 4, 7, it says, we have this treasure from God, but we are like clay jars that hold the treasure. The Lord molds you to be useful. God wants to develop you into a kingdom builder, useful and powerful. The very same power that raised Christ from the dead Resides in the hearts of every believer. And God equips each of us for our own ministry of impact if we are pliable enough to allow Him to use us. Psalm 139, 13 to 16 says, Oh, yes, you shape me first, inside, then outside. You formed me in my mother's womb. I thank you, high God, you're breathtaking. Body and soul, I am marvelously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation! You know me inside and out, and you know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made, bit by bit, how it was sculpted from nothing into something. He is the potter, and we are the clay. One day at church, my pastor was preaching on the potter and the clay, and he spoke for a short while, and then a potter made a pot as we worshiped for about three songs, the Lord showed me interesting truths as I watched the skillful artist turn this lump of clay into a beautiful vessel before my eyes. Isaiah 64, 8 says, O oh Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay and you are the potter. We are all formed by your hand. God doesn't just want to save me. He wants to mold me into the very best version of myself. The first thing that struck me was the sponge of water. The potter was constantly hydrating the clay with water, gently dipping a sponge from the water source and squeezing drops of water all over the clay. Jesus said, this is the living water that keeps your heart moldable in my hands. Drink deeply of the living water every day or you will get dry and hard hearted. Clay needs to be softened in my hands. The warmth of my hands helps it to be moldable. The potter wrapped his hands around the lump of clay and pulled it up to a tower like a cylinder. And then he made a fist and gently pushed down into the top center, creating an opening in the container. While one hand was on the outside of the spinning clay, the other was working on the inside of the vessel. I couldn't see what he was doing, but the shape changed from a cylinder to a rounder pot. The movements of the potter's hands were gentle, almost imperceptible. But changes were being made to this pot before my very eyes. I imagined for a second what it must have been like to be the clay, spinning constantly. Without the hands of the potter on the clay, it would have flown off the base and remain only a useless lump of clay. The clay was nothing apart from the potter. When my life feels like it's spinning out of control, it helps me to remember that the Heavenly Father... The potter, the creator God, has me in his gentle and capable hands. Psalm one thirty nine thirteen to 16 says, For you formed my inward parts, you wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks for you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were all the days written, ordained for me, when as yet there was none of them. And then Jesus said, There are many tools that make a pot completely unique. Those tools are gently peeling off things that are unuseful, like pruning a tree. Every pot has its unique purpose, and I make each of you perfectly for your purpose. The clay cannot mold itself. It needs to be molded by an outside force. And I asked the Lord, speak to me or show me more about how to allow you to mold me the way you created me. And I heard him say, "No, humility, trust, invitation, surrender, and transformation. And that reminded me of the expanded version of Psalm 46.10. It says, be still, let go, cease striving, relax, and know that I am God. And then Jesus continued, these words, know, humility, invitation, surrender, and trust are all required for you to be able to be still, let go, cease striving, relax, and know that I am God. You must know who I am to realize that you need me. And knowing who I am, you realize that I am the potter, the creator of you. Does clay fight against the hands of the potter? No. It simply becomes what its creator has designed for it to become. Knowing is a personal thing. It's not knowing about me, which is distant and a general kind of knowing. It's an intimate and personal kind of knowing. When you encounter who I am, you see yourself correctly and you are humbled by this holy encounter, just like in any relationship. Trust is built when you learn that you can count on a person to be who they say they are. This comes from consistency, making you feel safe with confidences and your needs. This builds the trust required for you to realize that you need to surrender to me. When you are aware of the need to surrender, you invite me to do my work in your heart. This is the step of allowing. You are giving me permission to access your heart so I can heal and strengthen it and equip you to become what I've called you to be and do. This is the sanctification process of transformation. Next, let's talk about taking that step. The animated film, The Lorax, is set in the city of Thneedville, where everything is fake and even the air is manufactured because there are no trees. Ted has a crush on Audrey, whose dream is it to see a real tree. On a mission to impress her, 12-year-old Ted seeks out the Wunzler, the town founder who invented needs, and cut down all of the town trees to produce them. Now living as a hermit outside of town, the Wunzler shares his story of how his dream of helping the community with his company was stamped out by greed. Against the better advice and counsel of the wise Lorax, the Wensler devastated the land, making way for the greedy mayor to exploit the unhealthy environmental circumstance by selling manufactured air. In the film clip about this, in our pattyej.podbean.com site for this episode, the Wensler confesses the whole story to Ted and inspires him to do something about it. The Lorax character represents the Holy Spirit, he is the still small voice, our conscience, that tells us right from wrong. In the beginning of the film, the Lorax comes alongside the Wensler as a friend, warning and guiding him along the way. The Wensler began his business journey with a desire to impress his hard-to-please family and to help the community with his theed invention. The lack of trees caused serious health risks to the townspeople, but the Wensler didn't concern himself with that reality. When greed overcame him, the Onceler pushed aside the Lorax completely and chopped down the very last tree. The seed that the Onceler held in this film clip represents the hope that we have that all things can change, including ourselves. It may seem small and insignificant, but it's not what it is. It's what it can become. The Onceler's words are true for both good and for evil. He didn't realize at the time that he was sowing the seeds of desolation with his greed. He was employing people in the town and they seemed happy with his needs. He thought he was the good guy, but greed took him down the road that he did not anticipate. By sharing his mistakes and showing Ted the step he could take to help turn it around, the once had his chance at redemption. Why do you think that the Onesler wanted Ted to plant the tree in the middle of the town where everyone could see it? Matthew 5 14 holds the answer You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. The seed was bigger than Ted. The tree needed to grow and multiply in the center of town, prominently placed to bless everyone. Ted needed to do something with that seed. He needed to have the courage to go against what was normal and do something that was right. He had the information and the power to choose to plant that seed in the center of town. If you get a chance to watch the Lorax, you'll see that it turned out well for the entire town. I was thinking about the word unless carved into the rock at the beginning of the film clip, and I wondered what scripture had to say about that word. There were 60 verses with that word in the NIV. Let's take a look at some of them in a summary that we have learned about this topic. Unless Jesus knocks on the door of your heart. John 6.44 No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them and I will raise them up on the last day. And John 6.65 He went to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. The second point is you accept God's free gift. John 3.5 says, Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you that no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and spirit. And in Amos 3.3 3 it says, Do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? The third point is you let God transform you. Matthew 18:3 and he said, "Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven." And John 12:24 says, "Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds." God helps you along the way. Psalm 94:17 Unless the Lord has given me help I would soon have dwelt in the silence of death John 15:4 Remain in me as I remain in you no branch can bear fruit by itself but it must remain in the vine neither can it bear fruit unless you remain in me and John 16:7 But very truly I tell you it is for your good that I'm going away Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. And finally, so you can help others find their way too. Romans 10.15, and how can anyone preach unless they are sent? It is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So what legacy do you think you're leaving behind? We'll see what Jesus has to say about that in your experience with him. Before we dive into our encounter today, I wanted to take a moment to ask you for a blessing. If you have learned some new things and have drawn closer to God by this podcast, please pray for the Lord to multiply it and allow the Lord to pop a few names into your spirit for whom you could share this podcast with. Simply text or email them the link to the pattyej.podbean.com site and let them know why you've been blessed by it. And please check out my books, journals, and downloadable resources at pattysadala.com shop. And remember the code EJPOD to receive 10% off everything, even the stuff already on sale. And remember, they make great gifts too. Thank you for blessing me by your prayers and for being a listener to this podcast. If this is your first podcast experience with us, you may want to go back to the trailer episode and learn about the biblical foundation for dialogue journaling, our process for experiencing Jesus. This leads you through the first special place encounter with Jesus as a child. This is a starting point for all of our experiences with Jesus. For best results, it is always good to properly posture your heart for your experience by welcoming Jesus' presence with praise and thanksgiving and playing with him in the special place as a child for a few minutes before asking for anything from him. After you've spent a little bit of time just enjoying Jesus's presence, ask him to speak to you about the legacy that you're leaving at this point. Are your attitudes and behaviors more like Christ's or more self-righteous? And also, ask him what legacy he sees you leaving and what you can do to allow him to mold you into what he has you to become. Spend all the time you need. Let him communicate to you in any way that he would like, and make sure you capture it all in your journal. I hope Jesus gave you a wonderful perspective on how he wants you to live this life to bless others, and I'll just leave you with a Matthew fifteen sixteen blessing. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. hope you will join us on this podcast adventure. Follow this podcast and forward it to others that you think may be blessed by it, and check out all the links below. They are designed to take you deeper. I thank God for you and bless you in Jesus' name.